Support for the South Carolina lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 31st, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at Congressman Jim Clyburn's push to get a black woman on the Supreme Court and who he's supporting. We have a recap of some legislative movement in the Statehouse last week and look at what's on tap for this week, week four in Columbia. And we have a campaign trail update involving the 7th Congressional District. In business, we get the latest on Boeing's beleaguered 787 Dreamliner. In medical, Dr. Anthony Fauci answers the question, at what point can we live with COVID and not experience disruptions to society? All your questions answered. Also, we want to hear your stories. So we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these uncertain times. Leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Like we've asked before, give us a topic for us to get to the bottom of. We'd love that. Tell us what's going on in your world. How's school going? How's work going? Have you been changing up jobs? What's new? It's February. Have you called your mom? Have you called the lead? Just as important. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 15,480 total deaths. And currently, there are 1,385,019 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of January 31st at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive is 19.7%. Yes, it's back, folks. There are 2,422 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 437 are in intensive care, and 218 are in ventilators. Currently, 53.1% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Let's continue our coverage of the U.S. Supreme Court vacancy. The foundation of President Joe Biden's decision to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court can trace its roots, like much of his recent political fortune, back to South Carolina in the primary that he won here in February 2020. Congressman Jim Clyburn, who endorsed Biden after the Charleston debate, said there has been a longtime undercurrent in the black community for the need to put a black woman on the court. He made that case to Biden before the primary debate in Charleston. I took the opportunity. Uh, during the South Carolina primary, just say uh, to then candidate Biden that I thought that um, there was an issue that needed to be addressed, and I thought it was very, very important to the African-American community that it be addressed. His campaign was um, struggling, had just lost three primaries, and this was, quite frankly, do or die for him. I urged him uh, to come out publicly for putting an African-American woman on the Supreme Court. A lot of people urged him not to do it. In fact, I saw last night, uh, Simone San- uh, Sanders uh, said that she was among those groups. Uh, or the people telling him, don't do it. I will always believe that um, what really made the difference in the South Carolina primary was his pledge 
uh, to do just that. Clyburn said he hasn't spoken to Biden about his support for Judge Michelle Childs for the Supreme Court. Obviously, they had previously discussed her for the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which she has been nominated to. He has spoken to both Senators Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott about Childs. I haven't asked them whether or not they would vote for her. I asked both of them what they thought of her, and both of them were very complimentary. I informed both of them that I would be recommending her for the D.C. Circuit. And I informed both of them that I was doing that in large measure because I felt that she was Supreme Court material. And most of the people on my side of the aisle felt that if you wanted to go to the Supreme Court, uh, your best route would be through the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And that's why I was recommending her for that. And President Biden has nominated her for that. Uh, And I would hope uh, that um, uh, both those senators will see their way clear to support it. Again, that was Clyburn talking about Child's nomination for the D.C. Circuit Court. Senator Lindsey Graham was on CBS's Face the Nation and gave this response to Margaret Brennan, who was trying to pin Graham down. Here's what I will tell him in the nation. I I can't think of a better person uh, for uh, President Biden to consider for the Supreme Court than Michelle Childs. She has wide support in our state. She's considered to be a fair-minded, highly uh, gifted uh, jurist. Uh, She's one of the most decent people I've ever met. It would be good for the court to have somebody who's not at Harvard or Yale. She's a graduate of the University of South Carolina, a public education background. She's been a workers' comp judge. She's highly qualified. She's of good character. And we'll see how she does if she's nominated. But I cannot say anything bad about Michelle Childs. She is an awesome person. Republican Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker said that this pick is affirmative racial discrimination. And former U.S. U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley also said Biden shouldn't have a race or gender litmus test. Here's what Graham had to say about those comments. Put me in the camp of making sure the court and other institutions look like America. You know, we make a real effort as Republicans to recruit women and people of color to make the party look more like America. Affirmative action is picking somebody not as well qualified for past wrongs. Michelle uh, Childs is incredibly qualified. There's no affirmative action component if you pick her. She is highly qualified. And President Reagan said, running for office, that he wanted to put the first female Mm -hmm. on the court. Whether you like it or not, Joe Biden said, I'm going to pick an African-American woman to serve on the Supreme Court. I believe there are plenty of qualified African-American women, conservative and liberal, that could go on to the court. And again, that was Senator Graham speaking there on Face the Nation about Judge Childs. Still a lot of moving parts involved in all of this, but we do know President Biden is looking toward the end of February to announce his nominee. The last South Carolinian on the court was James Burns from 1941 to 1942. Next up, lawmakers are back in action on Tuesday as the fourth week of the legislative session gets underway. This week, we'll continue to watch the medical marijuana debate in the Senate. That's Bill S-150. But other meetings of note this week include a Senate Medical Affairs Committee hearing on two bills dealing with abortion, including one, S-988, that would outlaw the medical procedure entirely. S-988 would also define life as beginning at fertilization, a measure that has faced pushback from Republicans before. And any doctors performing abortions after that point could be charged with murder. The bill was filed on January 13th, had a subcommittee hearing last week, and could make it to the floor this week. However, it will undoubtedly be objected to by Democratic senators. Remember, all it takes is one senator to contest a bill in the Senate. One bill that is on the Senate calendar is H-3590. 
That's a House-approved bill that will establish a pilot program next year to allow schools with excellent report card ratings to hire non-certified teachers that have degrees in the fields they'd be teaching in and they also have at least five years of experience in. Candidates would also receive training on teaching in the classroom. Speaking of the classroom, the House Education Committee broadly discussed five bills dealing with critical race theory last week. While few people can define that hot-button issue, many Republicans are on a warpath to limit anything they see as indoctrination happening in classrooms, including Aiken Republican Representative Melissa Remus. I will never apologize for the sins of my ancestors in the past. I can't, I can't attest to what they did and, and what was the sole purpose of their lives. And so for us to go in a classroom and tell our children that this happened because of your, you know, terrible white grandfather, you know, or great grandfather, that is just wrong. Our kids deal with enough today to be burdened with our sins and the sins of our past anyway. Democrats on the House Education Committee question the need for these bills, including Florence's Terry Alexander, who can be heard asking the committee's research director, Pierce McNair, about CRT in this clip. CRT, in a real sense, if we're trying to define this, is, a, is a, an analysis of how race and part systems and institutions. That's what we're, that's what we're dealing with, how the, how the impart of race and the impact that it has on individuals and their feelings towards race. Is that, is that, is, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to, again, put a pin in this whole definition thing. Mr. Alexander, you bring up a... A definition of CRT. Unfortunately, there are so many definitions on the, uh, the topic now, which is why we mentioned earlier, for the purposes of the legislation, it will be up to this committee's deliberation to define how far it goes and what it is. The committee will begin taking testimony next week, with State Superintendent of Education Molly Spearman being the first to testify. As a reminder, critical race theory is not taught in any K-12 school in the state. And on the way out, Graham Allen, the conservative media personality from Anderson, who is running to replace Tom Rice in the 7th Congressional District, which includes the PD and Grandstrand, has dropped out of the race, according to a campaign statement. Allen was one of the top fundraisers in the field of some 10 candidates challenging Rice over his vote to impeach President Donald Trump for inciting the January 6th insurrection. In part of his statement, Allen said, quote, other conservative candidates have emerged, including at least one with deep ties to the region who is strong enough to beat Tom Rice. So today, in recognition of the fact that there is now a viable candidate who is worthy of President Trump's support and who the voters trust, I am announcing that I am immediately suspending my campaign for Congress and will give my full support to the challenger to Tom Rice that President Trump endorses. We'll see soon who that is. And now for our Boeing section, I mean our business section, that is. Boeing reported that new 787 Dreamliners produced in North Charleston remain on the ground at the plant while manufacturing falls continue to be resolved with regulators. In its fourth quarter earnings call, executives said the delays of the past 50 months have cost upwards of $5.5 billion, including a $3.5 billion non-cash charge on the program and $2 billion in additional costs. 
Here's Chief Financial Officer Brian West on the fourth quarter call. 787 deliveries remained paused, and we had 110 airplanes in inventory at the end of the quarter. Last year, we set out on a comprehensive program to ensure every 787 airplane in our production system conforms to our exacting specifications. We resolved many of the nonconformances and we're finalizing our work on the remaining items. We also continue to focus on fulfilling the requirements and expectations of the FAA and will follow their lead on the timing of resuming deliveries. While this effort has inevitably impacted our deliveries to customers and our near-term financial performance, we are fully confident it is the right thing to do for our future. In the fourth quarter, we determined that the activities required to resume deliveries and the rework that will be needed on each airplane and inventory will take longer than previously expected, resulting in further delays in customer delivery dates. We regret the impact these delays have had on our customers and are working closely with, with each of them to support their fleet planning needs. Consequently, we're producing at very low rates and will continue to do so until deliveries resume, gradually returning to five airplanes per month over time. Those big write-downs push revenues down by 4% to $14.79 billion for the quarter. But the blue-chip aerospace giant did see free cash flow turn positive to $494 million from negative $4.27 billion a year ago. Uh, uh, yeah. uh. Looking ahead, Boeing expects the first quarter to be the year's weakest quarter for deliveries, revenue, earnings, and cash flow. Yikes. Here's West on when we can see the backlog moving out of North Charleston. In terms of getting back to five, so we got to first get cleared to deliver, and then we're going to gradually work our way to a point where we're going to get back up to five. We don't have the time frame, but you know, we think that the first step is getting the first one, eight, first one out the door. Boeing first found those tiny spacing defects on some of the plane's fuselages in 2020. It's a labor-intensive remediation process, and again, it's unclear when we can expect the FAA to sign off on these. Saturday marked the second consecutive week of declining cases. For the week ending January 29th, we saw 62,925 cases, which is down from our high of 116,884 the week of January 15th, which was our highest ever. That same week, we saw 230 deaths, which have also been declining week over week. Now, we're still averaging some 8,900 cases a day, and hospital data is slowly declining. So you're asking, when, Gavin, when will we be free? free from living between these surges? I don't exactly have the answer, but this is someone everyone wants to know, and the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, had this to say at a White House COVID briefing when asked when will COVID become acceptable to deal with. Well, people ask that all the time. What is an acceptable situation with regard to SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, and in this case, Omicron, that we are willing to live with in the sense of not having it disrupt our lives. Well, first of all, the important point to make is that we are not there right now. As Dr. Walensky said, when you have over 2,000 deaths, 150,000 hospitalizations, and you have people who are now getting infected to the tune of somewhere around 700,000 a day, we're not there yet. Where we want to be is that sufficient control, and control we mean not eradication, like we did with smallpox, that's unreasonable, not necessarily elimination, 
like we've done with polio and with measles by mass vaccination campaigns, but a level of control that does not disrupt us in society, does not dominate our lives, does not prevent us to do the things that we generally do under normal existence. That would be a level of infection, but more importantly, concentrating on the severity of disease, hospitalizations and deaths that fall within the category of what we generally accept. We don't like it, but we accept it with other respiratory viruses, RSV, paraflu, and even influenza. And if the degree of immunity in the general community population, either through infection plus boosting, either vaccine plus boosting, or just vaccine alone, those are the things that will hopefully get us to the point when we have antivirals to be able to treat people who are at high risk, that we no longer are in a situation of threat, threat to our equanimity, threat to our economy, the threat to allow us to live a normal life. We believe we can get there because we have the tools with vaccines, with boosts, with masks, with tests, and with antivirals. That's what we talk about when we get to the point where we can, quote, live with the virus. But that is not where we are at this point. So we still have a way to go. Dr. Fauci said it's too soon to say whether Omicron will be the last great disruptive wave. There needs to be enough protection in place so that even if there is another variant, you wouldn't see a society disrupting surge associated with it. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. We'd love to hear how you're handling life these days, if anything has changed, like your job or school, how you're dealing with inflation, or maybe you have a topic that you'd like us to get to the bottom to. Bottom the bottom of. Get us to the bottom of this topic. And of course, this ranch pizza world that we're living in. Oh, it's, I mean, there's, there's really are, there's just two types of people, I think, really. Mm-hmm. And, you, you might think it might be all different kinds of topics that could to, to, that could separate society, but no, no, it's only it's only this one thing. I think those are the only kind of topics that we're interested in exploring. Yes, vis-a-vis Crocs. Yeah, Crocs, ranch, any sort of hot button Just, topic that is fun to argue about. Yeah, okay? that's that's what. Yeah, well said. <laughs> okay, well we got some calls, Gavin. All right, we got some calls. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. We got some responses, and so we're gonna. We're going to double dip, but Ooh. I mean, we're not dipping this in ranch. We're uh, double dipping good, in the Good hopper, save, okay? my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, let's get to our first one, okay? Is that good with you? Yes. Is that good with you? Dip it up. Oh, dip, baby. Hey, this is Mark from Greenville. The pandemic continues to drag on, but your latest episode has me filled with so many questions. I loved hearing Abby's hot takes, but I am so confused. And it's not about ranch on pizza. That's That's fine. It's about her assertion that pizza needs condiments because I thought the pizza sauce was like a condiment baked in. And so that was the first question. The next question though is how exactly does she do the dipping? It makes me wish that we had a a video podcast or a vlog or something to, to accompany this because all I could think of is the pizza sliding off, the cheese sliding off or anything else sliding off and then contaminating the bowl of ranch. So confusing, so many questions. Maybe you guys could clear it up. Thanks for keeping the pandemic distract distracting me during the pandemic. 
great points there, Mark, especially that assertion that pizza the sauce. You know, needs condiments. I mean, the, that's The sauce is the condiment. I think that is a fabulous point, Mark. Which is why I kind of asked her during that yeah. discussion, like, would you want some sort of ranch pizza where the blood of the pizza the blood is ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, and like you said Mark about how she dips I assume it's <clears throat> I assume it's just the crust being dipped I, I can't I, speak for everybody here. I don't think we can assume that with Abby she sure sent, not yeah. she sent me a Maybe picture she sent me a picture this weekend of her scrambled eggs and God covered oh I my mean, God covered 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 I could barely see egg it was <sighs> mostly red ketchup stop it so I I mean I think the the greatest explanation here, Mark, is that Abby is someone who likes uh, potato pizza. Okay, so starch on starch. Starch. I mean, I'm a big carb on carb guy. Not a not a huge starch on starch guy. So anyway, that was the first call, Mark. Thank you so much. I, yeah, you, and I, I will say we will go. We are doing a field trip. Mark my words, Mark. Mark. And we will do that. So you can see, I mean, there will be some video. There'll be some photos. I mean, it will be a learning experience for everyone that participates, uh, good or bad. Good or bad. I mean, it's going to be for the bad. Uh, Hopefully It's not not. for the faint of heart, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Oh, God, no. He's absolute psychos. Anyway, uh, Gavin, here's the the second dip of the double dip. Okay? Dip. Dip. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dylan from Greenwood, South Carolina. Uh, To take it way back to the beginning of the show, I tweeted at y'all when y'all were doing the first round of getting all of the local bars and stuff to come do a show in Greenwood. So I've been listening since the very beginning just to put that out there. Oh, and I graduated high school with Bradley Fuller, who was always killing the game with Sonatas and Soundscapes. So i got a shout-out to my favorite South Carolina public radio personality. No offense, Gavin and AT. Love you guys. But graduated with Bradley. He's the man. Anyway, I'm calling in because I was listening to to one of the episodes and I heard AT say that he thinks Domino's isn't good pizza. And I just got to let you know that way out here in Greenwood, that hurts people's feelings when you say things like that. Anyways, we think it's good pizza and love the show. Y'all keep doing what you're doing. Peace. Dylan from Greenwood, thanks for calling. And yes... Thank you for the memories of us back out in Greenwood. Uh, simpler we times. Simpler times. Live tapings. I promise we're going to do those again soon once the surge dies down and we can get a really good idea about where things stand. Trust me, people are dying for us to get out there. We're still talking about possibly doing a happy hour soon, folks. We're so, dying to get out so, there. Yeah. So yeah. We, might, we might be doing a, a virtual happy hour. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep, yes, keep your eyes peeled. You know, also talk about... Uh, Greenwood, Bradley Fuller, obviously a major celebrity oh in those parts. Oh, my God. So He's a celebrity here around the office. Well, yeah, but for a green, I mean, for the Greenwood folks, oh, I mean, he I, is. Uh, yeah, he's he's crazy. Major crazy huge celeb. there. He can't show his face around there. Uh, Dylan, I, I hate to break it to you, but I, I still contend that Domino's is not good pizza. I, it's convenient. Don't get me wrong. Mm. It's convenient. And if you ask me a gun to my head, would I eat Domino's like Probably, yeah. Okay? Oh, wow. Life I'm, or Domino's? I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to get it, but, like, sure. if it's there. You're I'll, also talking to a guy that's lactose intolerant. So, yeah. I mean, AT, when he gives his time I go, I go the dairy, I'm, it's got to be the good It's got to be the good stuff. I contend, and I think this is a hot take, mm. and someone can call in and, and refute this if they want. Oh, my gosh. But um, I think, since I am lactose intolerant, 
I like cheese more than people who say they love cheese, who have no problem. We take it for cheese. granted. We exactly. have no idea. They, they, there's no toll the cheese takes on them. <laughs> and uh, my body revolts <laughs> Go when off, I put King. cheese. Go <laughs> off, King. My body revolts when I put cheese on it. But I love it so much. So I'm if to I'm do willing to subject myself to it, then I think I wow. like cheese more than most people do. Carpe ATM. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. Yes. Wow. AT, thank you for opening our eyes <laughs> to your struggle and to not take things for granted. Like yeah. cheese. Like my my... My tolerance of lactose, I just carelessly throw around. Mm-hmm. I know that I am an, a very intolerant man, speaking of dominoes, <laughs> speaking of cheese and all this stuff. But uh, uh, I, I, I do think that I, I deserve some recognition for the work that I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, hopefully people will call after that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, you just see me walking around the office drinking literally out of a gallon of milk almost on the regular. I oh, just yeah. do this. It's, and you know the guys and at the gym that have... The, the gallon of water. Gavin's pure whole milk. And I'm not trolling you in any way. No. This is what I do. It's part of your life. It's either whole milk or it's it's warm Velveeta. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a cheese product, so you can actually consume it. That's safe. That's safe. <laughs> That's safe yeah, I drink a glass of it before bed every night. Oh, gosh. Can't sleep without it. There is, and I will say to Dylan, there is a good pizza place in Greenwood that we went to when we were up there scouting locations. We almost wanted to tape there. I think it's the Mills House everyone was telling us about. I think, yeah. Uh, the Mill House, yeah, so... You know, if you can, I'd say go there. But I'm I'm also of the mind of convenience. Now, if I'm doing pick up, if I pick up pizza, you know, if I'm not like going out to eat it, I love my Marcos pizza. Ugh, I just I, disappointing, <laughs> disappointing. I I hold no allegiance. I can I can go from like your little sleezers <laughs> up to you know your most yeah, refined. Yeah. Five course meal. I just pizza. like the idea of Gavin picking up his Marcos, going home, <laughs> air frying it. I don't have an air fryer. And then blending it and microwaving it and drinking it. My gallon of milk on the side. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just, just described a wild Friday night where I come from. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, I think that's enough grotesqueries for the day. Yes. Why don't you say goodbye to the folks, okay? Well, folks, goodbye. Uh, we appreciate this lively debate, this lively discussion that we have in the wind down. We have a few more in the hopper but that doesn't mean that you can't call and give us some love and let us know what we need to get to the bottom of because that's what we're here on the lead for we want to find out the hot topics of the day and answer your questions in a respectful manner to do so let us know at 803-563-7169 you can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on itunes we got some great ones from folks who have left them so keep up the good work we love you all and you can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. It's safer for me to record in the dark. It's fine. You know my things. You know my writer. Please. I need, I need darkness.